What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Johnny King with the Becoming Kings podcast, and I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Dinas Purins all the way across the pond over in Australia, Sydney, to be exact. Hey, man, how are you? <laughs> I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, all the way yeah. from Australia. All the way from Australia, all the way from the future, which is pretty cool. <laughs> It's pretty fun to acknowledge that, you know, you are, I'm literally speaking into the future right now. So this is going to be a fun conversation, but you are, uh, in general, you are the, the CEO if, and the, the co-founder, if I understand correctly, of what you guys call the, the spiritual thought club, which I'm really excited to kind of dive into. But if I'm reading this correctly, it's, it's kind of a social impact organization focused right on working with men to free themselves of limiting beliefs uh, developing emotional acuity, which I'm all for hundred percent. And then what I'm really excited about getting into is healing generational trauma. Is that right? Yeah. I would say our mission here at SFC or spiritual fight club is to heal masculinity, to standardize mm. self-love. And the way that we do that is <clears throat> the cultivation of unwounded masculine men at scale. And that's what we're really about. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I had a, uh, a men's meeting, just uh, earlier this week, and we we kind of got into that conversation, and I found myself kind of not necessarily really getting on my on my uh, soapbox or going on a rant, but just saying like, this is the this is the time. You know, we we've had no better time in human history where we have the the freedoms, the abundance, the luxury um, to not necessarily be you know, out in the fields working from sun up until sun down, but we have time to actually work on ourselves and heal a lot of the stuff that I feel like past generations probably just didn't have the emotional bandwidth or the tools or the time to really get into. Would you, would you say that resonates for you too? Oh, hundred percent. And for me here in Australia and most of the Western world, well, it's kind of the first peacetime generations. Yeah. And so yeah, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like my father had to fight and do all these things because he was born in 1928. So my father was quite old. He'd be, he'd be wow. like 93 about now, right? Yeah. And so he experienced trauma from wars and all of that from Eastern Europe. And yeah, whereas I don't have to do that. Like that's not on my plate right now yeah. here in Australia. Yeah. So yeah, what can I do now? And it's like exactly what you're saying, like going within. Yeah. Let me ask you that because that's that's interesting. Now I'm, you know, in my early 40s. I, I still definitely want to have kids. I don't have any yet. Uh, not not remarried, but I do imagine by the time I have kids, I'll be older than like a lot of my friends who had kids in their 20s and their 30s. But how was it for you having an older father? And if you don't mind me asking, like, when did he pass away? And was he a a big uh, 
kind of icon in your life or was he absent? What, what was your relationship with, like with your dad? Yeah, I'm really happy to talk into all of this. Yeah. But I appreciate you slowing down with it and because it could potentially be a vulnerable topic. So thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Because growing up as I, well, you know, parts of me getting emotional now because it wasn't so straightforward as a kid and I was an only child and it was just the three of us, my mom, my dad and me. And mm. my mom would have been the typical age of a parent. She was about 30 when she had me, but then my dad was already like 60 something. So mm. there's, it was kind of like an interesting, and they both immigrated from poorer nations into Australia. And so their <laughs> families were back in the home countries. So we really grew up just kind of the three of us. Mm. And it was awesome. You know, my parents loved me unconditionally and I experienced that. And there's other things where, you know, I'd also felt as a child that if I didn't achieve academically, I wouldn't get their love. And so there was mm. a lot of fear and pain that motivated me there. But it was just interesting getting raised by like kind of two generations. Like I got the generation of literally my dad in Latvia experienced World War II and the occupation mm. from the Russians and the Germans. And then there's my mum, who came from the Philippines and her dad was in the military there. So mm -hmm. it's still, it was like a strange experience because I'd go to school and then some of the kids would think, is that your granddad? And I'm like, no, no, it's my dad, you know? And as a kid, yeah. I, it was something, a part of my inner child or my little boy was ashamed of, you know, and he didn't understand mm -hmm. and he thought he was different. And I grew up in a town where there was mostly white people as well. And so being like a mixed race, a European Asian, it was, yeah. So it was a lot. Lots yeah. going on. Yeah. That's crazy. And then how, how was, uh, so they loved you unconditionally. How was your relationship with, with your dad? Cause if he's, you know, by the time that you're teenage years, you know, was he still around and was he an active play an active role in your life and mentoring you and guiding you or more like yeah. my situation where my dad was absent and I didn't really, he just was a workaholic. So I didn't have a whole lot of relationship with him growing up. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Cause my dad was so old. He was already retired. So mum was working and dad died wow. about nine years ago and I'm mm. about to turn 34. So, mm. you know, I was in my mid twenties and it was really beautiful because I was able to graduate with first class honors from an, like as with electrical engineering and he was there and that was the happiest cool. moment of his life. And I really felt That's like cool. he could, you know, die in peace because his just only wish for me was to take care of mum. And mm. so what's interesting too, about this unconditional love aspect, like they didn't language it like that. They didn't have those words. It's only now after doing all this work, I can go back to the times where, you know, like in our household culture, we would always hug every morning and every night. And now when I look mm. back at those moments, I'm like, oh no, I could remember my dad holding me and it was, he would do anything for me. But of course there was plenty of times, which I'm sure we're going to talk into because of all the trauma that he's been through as a child and a teenager himself. Well, he was quite, he had parts of him that were very angry, you know? And then I copped a lot of that. And, you know, as a little boy, I was scared of him in certain ways. <sighs> and so, yeah, that was a lot for what was going on, but I wouldn't say that he was absent. It was, there was all these different dynamics though that played out. Yeah. 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 Which, which I would say as, again, as I get older and, and maybe you feel the same way, kind of doing the work, it, it's uh, kind of have to honor it, it is it, it, or it was what it was, or it is what it is. It's like, it's beautiful. You had the time that you had, you know, my mom passed away at 61. So I was 26 and, and as much as I miss her and wish, she could see and be proud of 
I mean, I know she's still with us in many regards and, and proud of me, but, you know, I wish to have her in this human experience. I'm sure that's tough for, for you, but at the same time, like you had your dad and he was a great dad and, you know, probably a lot, a lot of what, who you are today and what you do today is directly the result of his influence, right? Yeah, man. And I wouldn't have it any other way, you know, and I know as yeah. a teenager though, and as a young man, and maybe, you know, there was parts of me then that wanted it a different way, but you know, mm-hmm. it's really different now. And well, to go back to kind of what you said, what was really interesting, man, as I got older, I could see though that my dad was really pushing himself to me as an anti-role model. Mm. He didn't use those words, but it was always like, hey man, don't do what I did. So go to university, mm. son, because he was a rigor and scaffold. He says, man, I'm old now and I've destroyed my body and it wasn't worth mm. it. And then he's mm. like, hey, and then all the war stuff and he grew up really poor on a farm and like all this stuff. He's like, I don't want that for any of you. So it was really interesting because he was just showing me what not to be because that's all mm. he knew. And it wasn't mm. until I got some new mentors like or role models in my late 20s where I was like, oh, cool. So that's who I could aspire to be like. And so that was a really mm. interesting dynamic I didn't become aware of until the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Tony Robbins. I can't remember if you mentioned that before or after we started recording, but I've been to the Gold Coast and done Date with Destiny. You uh, have? Which was, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you've been to Australia? Fun. That's awesome, man. I've been to the yeah. Gold Coast Date with Destiny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which maybe we were when at the, the same maybe one. The same, yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, I've done Date with Destiny twice, once in Florida and once in that must have been in 2015, six years ago. Years ago. Wow, mine probably be like four or five years ago. So yeah, man. pretty close. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty close. But man, it's like that's to me, and maybe maybe you had this experience, or maybe you didn't. Tony was kind of that first example uh, when I was 29 that I was like wow, that's, that's a congruent human being, you know, like he, he uh, embodied what I saw, like the perfect balance of the masculine and feminine and was able to dance between the two and, and show up extremely strong when he needed to and, and super empathetic and compassionate in other moments. And so I was like, that was the first male, like actual male role model besides, you know, movie characters and superheroes yes. that, that <laughs> I was like, that that inspires me you know and like how did he get to that like so evolved you know physically emotionally spiritually so that that was my experience of him but what if it wasn't tony robbins who were some of your other mentors that that have really impacted you and your personal health you know personal health journey so to speak yeah (laughs) it's so funny that you mentioned like the movie stars and stuff because i'll start with you know as a young man and as a teenager it was guys like Dan Bilzerian, mm, mm. you know, and that's what fueled me in my entrepreneurial career. And then that's why I was, you know, chasing models and beautiful women. And I had, you know, I had this quarter of a million dollar car and it would go zero to 103 seconds. And then I had a mm. business and cause I was ch- back then as a young man, I was chasing all of that. But then <clears> it came to this point where, yeah, it was kind of like, let's say Tony Robbins's and Jordan Peterson's and stuff like that. But then I evolved again and I got a mentor who was a millionaire who exited his company and then I was living with him and I noticed he's a man of service underneath all of this. Mm. And I was like, oh, like I can follow this because, you know, he can get the girls <clears throat> and the boats and all this stuff or, or whatever he wants to do. That's not necessarily what he was doing. 
but I just knew he had the capacity to do that. And as a young man, that's what I always thought. Oh, well, once I have the millions in the bank, then I'll be free. Then I'll be this thing. But then I was like, oh no, he still just loves his family. Like, and it's about his friends and he wants to change the world, but not for him because he's just got tools. And I was like, oh, wow. And he's really nice to the people around him. And I was like, oh, cool. It was nice to actually experience a, a, a millionaire who's real because I lived with him, you know, and I could mm. see how he is every day and the way he treats the waiter or the waitress, prepares his own food and does this or does that. Whereas I'd always just experienced millionaires you know, in the front of magazines and on fucking mm. talk shows and movies. Mm. And they're always showing this one face or this one side of them. And then that guy really yeah, changed my life. And he's still one of my closest friends. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I love that dude. That's so cool. But when did, when did that shift happen for you where you really started kind of diving in deeper spiritually to, to become more of an evolved man an evolved masculine man if you will right versus just going for what the culture teaches us the western culture teaches us which is just acquire more things and when you acquire more things then, the, then you'll be more powerful or have more status yes when did that shift happen for you yeah because it's exactly that's why i love what you're about and the name of the podcast and stuff too because it's like there's these obvious transitions through life and everyone's got their own experience of like you know a little boy a teen you know mm-hmm. then a young man and then a man, an adult, full adult, maybe. And then, you know, there's eventually this energy of a king, you know? Mm-hmm. And what I found was being in, you know, this high achieving, high performance entrepreneur and everything was fucking grinding and hundred hours and Elon Musk. Yeah. Elon Musk was another guy that I aspired mm-hmm. to be, but then, you know, I grew this company that I had from like five, a team of five to 22. We made over a million dollars revenue off the back of Facebook ads just in one year. And we're just rapidly growing. And then man, after about a year, Facebook, like something happened with our ads and 99% of my revenue dropped. And then over the next 18 months, I had to fire all those people. And then I collapsed and I sold to sell my Tesla. I had like I dumped my model girlfriend at the time and like all this stuff happened and went into a Mm -hmm. state of like, couldn't trust myself and all this. And then I was like, who am I? I thought Mm -hmm. I was this entrepreneur. And I built my whole world around it and everyone saw me as that person. And then I said to my, I was saying to myself back then, cause I lived from my mind mm. that I'm worthless and I'm an idiot and this is all my fault and I'll never be an entrepreneur again. And I never was because mm. all of this, but then when I met this mentor, he, I'll never forget this man. Like he kind of just laughed at all of that and said, yeah, man, that's normal. I've been through that. Like, that's just, part of the journey and then what happened was he still invited me into his life and then he wanted to do business with me and i was like it got to the point i was like oh yeah cool but then a couple months in i was like man do you do you do realize you heard the story that i fucked up my last company and he's like dude i know and that's why i can trust you more yeah because i was already about maybe five or six years into my journey as an entrepreneur and i'd always been going to networking events and things like that putting on this face so that people above me in inverted commas would want to work with me. And then I found that after this, and I was just, he's like, no, I only work with people like that who have already failed. Otherwise they're in this virtual world, this virtual hierarchy, this virtual game. And that's when things really started to shift for me. Cause I thought, Oh, I don't have to keep putting these masks on. I can just be myself. I can be vulnerable because the right people will accept me because they've been through it. And my whole, I just went, it was like, Whoa, what a gift. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was. 
it's it's uh and i think it's it's really cool thank you for opening up and sharing that because it, it is such a gift because without those trials or tribulations do we have any real context to who you know the the or or be able to experience real love from humanity to have to have someone be able to to welcome you into his home you know and be like i trust you more because of your so-called failings right i think that's pretty pretty powerful and to me that's that's truly connected with divine source you know and be like mm-hmm. that is you know when the the best part of humanity comes out when there's a hurricane or there's an earthquake or people fly planes into buildings it's like when when the shit goes down that's when you really get to see the true character of people come out you know from a place of love versus all of us fighting to try to become more significant or more worthy trying to get more followers or more likes like to me it's just it's such a waste of time because it's like like a, a house of cards that's just going to all fall and it fell for you it sounded like Yep, hundred percent, man. And it ended up being such a beautiful thing, in retrospect, you know, because you didn't give up on yourself. Because I do know a lot of guys who kill themselves, or, or they just resign to being like I'm worthless. You know, they start to believe those lies that you were kind of telling yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not good enough, and, and then they just give up, right? And unfortunately, who ultimately bears the biggest burden of that is not only them, but maybe a spouse and and the kids. It's like the next generation. So it just keeps being passed on, you know? So pretty cool that you did that, man. That's really, really cool. Talk about a, a fight club. You you uh, fought your way out of that one. Yeah, man. I just want to say, man, well, yeah, oh, this is a bit vulnerable for me to say, but I just want to say I love you. I feel really safe right now with you, dude. And I really love your energy and what you're about. And I'm so happy to be here, man, because... That stuff for my young man, that was really traumatic. And there's other yeah. stuff that I could go into further detail that happened around that period. And I'm just really glad that you're here, man, and like helping us come together in these trials and tribulations. So mm. just much love, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And I I received that and uh, and feel similarly. I just love again that we're it's just it's just fascinating to see that uh, Again, the older I get, the more I can see in, I can see the perspective or see things in perspective that things all happened for a reason for me to be exactly who I am today. You know, uh, my divorce, you know, my mom passing away, my dad coming out of the closet, you know, me losing uh, friends uh, and various things like that through tragedy. It's like, I think that's why this podcast and the work that you're doing with the men locally there, like it's so important because we have so many men uh, that are giving a bunch of us the, uh, the, you know, the wrong impression because they're showing up in an unhealthy or shadow masculine, right? Because they are kind of chasing those, those fleeting things of power, or maybe then I'll be worthy when I, you know, get to this certain level in, in business or politics or money, you know, and at the end of the day, man, it just doesn't mean anything. It, does, it has more to do with your merit, you know, like who you're being, right? The body of merit and being a person of character and it's everything that in the Tao talks a lot about that, man, you know, 
if if you love yourself and you're content, you probably don't need to travel as much as you think and all that stuff. And everything mm. that you have is around you. Mm. Mm. Everything that you want to need. Yeah. I, I'd love to kind of dive into that because, well, first and foremost, I want to ask this question. Um, where did the, the concept of the spiritual fight club come from? Granted, I've seen, you know, the fight club, the movie, but uh, does it have anything to do with that or just? Oh, not so much. Where did it come from? Yeah. But not, not that either. You know, for yeah. me, I've been a martial artist pretty much my whole life. I said, this is interesting again, because I know generational trauma is something that is, is a theme of, of today. And so, for example, like my dad growing up, he was like a freedom fighter in Latvia. And his last memory <clears throat> of his capital city, his hometown, Riga, was him on a ship as a merchant marine watching it all in flames. Oh, geez. You yeah. know, and then came to Australia. And so then when he was here and I'm his only son, right? And he then at the age of about six or seven, then he put me into Taekwondo school. You know, because he said, it's like, you got to learn to defend yourself because for him in his world, physical safety is still an issue. Like he, he, people around him dying. He's got, he's literally had shrapnel wounds and bullet wounds. And so he didn't want me to get bullied at school. He didn't want me to be a victim of physical violence. So he threw me in the Taekwondo, right? Mm -hmm. Little did he know though, that that it kind of put me in the wrong direction sort of thing because we didn't have the UFC and mixed martial arts, MMA and all that back then to showcase well which one is the thing that is going to help and so mm -hmm. i did that from seven till about 18 19 and then one of my like taekwondo mentors he was doing brazilian jiu-jitsu and then he showed me ufc and i watched mm -hmm. ufc one two and three and i was like oh like the taekwondo the karate people like yeah there's this skinny jiu-jitsu dude coming in and he was like 70 kilos and i was 67 kilos at that time mm -hmm. and he was doing his thing. And then very quickly, you know, everyone caught on to the ground game. It's like, cool, MMA, mixed martial arts. So everyone came in with their single martial arts. And then we, you know, we did this scientific experiment with the UFC in the octagon. And it, mm -hmm. it got shown that mixed martial arts is the way. And so we, it kind of looks like, you know, boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, some sort of base level combination like that. And for yeah. us, and so for me, I started... Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and MMA at 19. And so I did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for 10 years. I'm a brown belt there. You know, I did plenty of sparring with pads on and all that. I did my kickboxing, my Muay Thai, did my wrestling, did my MMA, you know, help guys prepare for fights, did a bunch of competition in Jiu-Jitsu. I've never had a, an MMA fight, but I was in that culture ever since 19 up until kind of now, you know, and I trained in Brazil and I did all the things, went to Thailand. And for me, what was just so beautiful because I am like a man of science as well. That's a big part of me. And I was an electrical engineer and I love all the things and I love what works. Like to me, I'm the guy, like, let's just focus on what works and what, and just what doesn't. And that's okay. We put it away. And for me, spiritual fight club is like the UFC in inverted commas of spirituality. Cause it's like, cool, let's just throw all our cards down and not make it personal. Right. And let's just create mixed spiritual arts. Like can we just already focus on what works? Like we've had all the wars, we've had all the generational trauma. How can we like come together and especially all the male masculine leaders, because there's a bunch of them right now. It's like, why don't we all work together so that we can just end the generational trauma and just spread generational light from now on. And what I found is when I put that challenge force to a lot of men, it's like, cool. Well, then all their shit comes up. There's parts of them that resisting parts of them that want significance. They want to have their name on the fucking wall the whole time and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, man, fair enough. Well, cool. 
Well, until you can let go of that, we can't really move forward. Because for me, a big key is the feminine. Because they're already born like most of them, you know, they're just, they're loving and compassionate and all of that. And if we just had more of that energy, maybe we wouldn't be in so much conflict all the time, fighting all the time. So, so playing into that whole conversation around the masculine and feminine, where do you feel like guys are lacking? If, if it's even a, a worthy question, are men lacking one part of their yin to their yang? Are they, are they, are you finding that men are more in their feminine? They're maybe, you know, shadow feminine, or are they more in their shadow masculine? What do you feel like is the challenge for men who are unhappy they're lost and they, and, and maybe you're crossing paths with them and you're really able to help them, you know, evolve. Mm. Oh, just really like, if we just zoom to the very bottom, mm-hmm. most men and masculine men, let's say, or the masculine in my experience, they don't truly know how to love themselves all the way and unconditionally mm-hmm. and there's parts of us and in, in our culture in our technology or the technology or the work it's like we often use the word like mister just to help identify the parts of us because we're more than and that was my big journey i thought i was just my mind and my thoughts until i was like 30 but now mm-hmm. i realize i have emotions i have a body and i experience emotions through my body and sensations and i have a heart but then i also mm-hmm. have this other realm my gut my gut feeling my intuition mm-hmm. what happens is you know now i've gone on this big journey with the work to move from living top down from my mind first to living bottom up from my intuition Mm -hmm. first and Mm -hmm. not not ceasing my mind my mind is important too but i live from my gut and so what i notice is with men you know they have a mr unworthy or a mr i'm not enough as i am Mm -hmm. and so and then a lot of them have a Mr. Self-Hatred. And I know because I had all of these. And that's why I was fueled from my high performance and high achievement from essentially my self-hatred, my comparison to Elon Musk, to Dan Bilzerian, to the people around me, the cars I did have or didn't have, the women that I was dating or not dating, and the fighters that I was and wasn't. You know, And so all of that, I used it to whip myself with to get more shit done. And there's guys like David Goggins, that are, that's their whole thing. But see, I know where that game fucking ends. It doesn't end well at all. Mm -hmm. Men are living in hell. And those parts of them that are living in hell, they push them more and more into the basement and avoid harder and harder and suppress, suppress. And then that is that toxicity. And in our culture, we love that because Mm -hmm. I've tried hating it and suppressing it more and it just gets louder. And over time, it consumes. And it, Mm -hmm. it used to consume me. And then I went into that spiral that we kind of talked about before. And then after I met that business mentor, then I met a new spiritual mentor and that's where things really shifted. And then I mm-hmm. could start to really be with these parts of me because until I can actually come to peace with who I really am and who I, and accepting all the parts of me, even the parts of me that don't like me or say mean things to me, because I used to be a terrible boyfriend to myself. Like the things that I would say to myself, I would never have said to my mm-hmm. girlfriend or to my mom. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole world here where, men haven't been shown how to deal with all that. And they're still in society, the pedest- the people that we look up to, let's say in inverted commas, they're not taking responsibility for everything that I've just been talking about. Mm-hmm. 
And that's okay because me that. and you are here now, bro. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. What I, and I, something that you said certainly resonates uh, with my experience too, from the standpoint that, you know, being, being more or less raised by women and being trained, uh, you know, and not, not that maliciously trained, but just kind of learning that for, for me to feel loved, I have to make them happy. I have to make mom happy. Then I have to make yep. my school teachers happy. And then I have to make my girlfriends yep. and my ex-wife. And it just, it just goes, right? Um, and yet being a cruel boyfriend or cruel husband to myself was never, act, never actually tapping into what my needs were and never vocalizing them. So I was always just like, and, and the thought was that I, I would not be loved if I wasn't doing these things or checking these boxes. Yes, you know? same. Right. So that's, that's been a big part of my journey just over the last year, even is learning to, to be okay with asking for what I want, being okay with uh, being by myself, being okay with um, disappointing people, you know, as long as I'm being congruent and aligned with what my needs are, you know, it's not that I don't care what, you know, how they're feeling, but I kind of, at some point, I don't necessarily care about their opinion as long as I really know I'm taking care of myself. Otherwise I'm, I'm just robbing myself of my life energy. And then I don't have, I'm so tapped out and so like emotionally numb that I can't give to anyone, you know? And I feel like I meet a lot of men, at least here in the U S that are like, so just numb or they're either numb or they're really angry, you know, yeah. and they feel lost. Right. And I imagine it's the same all around the world. We're all, we're all a lot more similar than we are different, but do you feel like guys that you meet that there's a lot of that kind of uh, low energy, there's like depression, sadness, loneliness, numbness, or it's anger and rage. And they kind of just vacillate between those two. Yeah, man, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, parts of me getting emotional now because I have so much compassion and, and sympathy for all the men out there. And I've gone into the full journey to fully heal myself. And yeah, I really get that. And a big part of that is because I know exactly what you're talking about because <laughs> I went through that as well. And yeah, it really is that journey of whatever these parts of us within us think they need from outside of us let's say our mother's approval or girlfriend's approval or feminine's approval with our technology we're able to give that to ourselves and so that's why it's so important we talk to that part of us you know like let's say my little boy say hey little boy man how you going he's like i'm so scared and i'm like cool man what are you scared on he's like well i'm scared that i'm different and everyone's going to leave me and all that and i'm like oh cool you know and so what do you how can i help he's like i need everyone to love me and accept me And i'm like cool what if i loved and accepted you you know and guiding him through that and especially then with my teenage self and my young man you know going through a breakup breakups and stuff like that and then you know coming out of lockdown now and like wanting to meet women and it's like cool man but i can feel that there's this clench and there's this mm -hmm. attachment mm -hmm. to the outside world to you getting something from outside of you <clears> and that's where you know buddha talked about that you know when he's two and a half thousand years old the source of all of our suffering comes from these mm -hmm. desires and attachments and so that's why for me him and Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching and stuff like that, they're thousands of years old. So they've stood the test of time. It's like, mm -hmm. that's the wisdom that I choose to embody now. Like not the stuff that's just a couple hundred years old or even 50 years old. It's like, no, man, they've sorted it out already. So let's go that way. And so the big thing yeah. is, yeah, man, like 
we've all just got to take more responsibility and not need things from outside of us. And that's to me like a big part of being a king. So mm-hmm. no, man. And once you fully have embodied not needing things outside of you, well, then you just step into service, but not mm-hmm. for service so that you can feel good because the illusion of separation starts to now be a choice to buy into, not being a victim of it. So no, man, I'm mm-hmm. here to serve, not for any other reason that I'm, that's what my gut's saying because I live from my intuition. Yeah. And I'm not here to trade or transact anymore. Yeah. I love that. A big part of, for me, the way that I kind of, in my mind, define a man who has become a king is, is where he has made that shift from a life of acquisition to a life of service or impact, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm full on board with what you're, what you're saying there. But you did also mention suffering. I want to talk about that because I do feel like I meet a lot of men who are suffering and there's almost like a conscious or a subconscious attachment to like, it makes them, I, I, I wonder if they, it's like they can't even see who they would be without the suffering. It's like a part of their identity, right? So maybe could, could you first two questions, define what you think is like suffering is, you know, and then Two, if, if, a, if a man who's listening is feeling like he's deep in that, you know, cesspool of, of suffering, how would you support him in, in liberating himself from it? Mm, okay, cool. Well, there's some big questions. And yeah. what I mean by that is because everybody's at different states of consciousness or levels. Yeah. It's like not everybody has the same experience. And so that's why... I choose to be really mindful at these times because, you know, everyone's in a different state of mind or being or anything like that. And so yeah, just know if you're listening, you know, I don't know exactly where you're at and it's just always with love and compassion. And just to start with, just really start to notice how you're talking to yourself, mm. you know, and then start to love that part of you. But see, this is all really easy to say and talk about. That's why it's so important for physical brotherhood and all Mm. of that. But to go to your first question about suffering, there's a million ways that we could talk about it, but, you know, I like to just go down to the bottom of things, you know, and it's like Buddha has already figured this all out. And so is Lao Tzu and stuff like that. So we don't have to go that way. Whereas essentially, because pain, let's say physical pain, that doesn't mean you're suffering, right? Mm. But it's your resistance to the pain or your resistance to what is Mm. that's what causes suffering so that's mm. where it's like another way it's like attachment that things need to be a certain way and then in that space that's where the suffering starts to breed and, and come from that's the seed whereas if you can let go of all your desires and attachments and the Tao talks about this that's why the Tao Te Ching it's the way and the Tao is the great mother mm-hmm. it's all about yielding mm. And so that's kind of what suffering can look like at this deep spiritual sense. And then to help, well, Buddha liberated himself from suffering. And so he has his four noble truths and he has his, his self-development program, that eightfold noble path. But basically he said, life has inevitable suffering. Desire is the root of it. And there's a way out. And the way out is his, you know, right action, right thought and all of that. You know, Lao Tzu's got his way. Jesus kind of did his thing. And that's why we kind of base ourselves off these undefeated and we're not religious. We're not into the religion. We're into the, to those humans like Lao Tzu, Mm. Buddha, Jesus, them as, as human beings, 
you know, because mm-hmm. imagine if, fuck, <clears throat> like your gut said, your intuition said, hey, man, you're going to go on the cross and die the death of a slave. Mm. Like, man, all of us have an intuition, but most men that I interact with, they, they listen to their mind instead and listen to their fears, not what their gut says. And that's where mm-hmm. there is this, this change for, for me. Like I'm really championing spiritual high performance and like changing from fossil fuels of pain and fear to get shit done or pleasure and pain and, and fear. And, you know, there's something I'm afraid of. So then I burn my, my boats so that there's more pain there and more fear there so that I move forward. It's like, no, man, that's the old way. And I've done that mm-hmm. and it has a huge cost. But now I, I operate from like sustainable energy, renewable energy for my soul, you know, mm-hmm. whereas I, I just live from my gut feeling. It's not about pleasure or pain or fear or any of that because a king will sacrifice how he feels for the kingdom, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not about fucking me. It's about mm-hmm. the community. It's about the kingdom. It's about the collective. <clears throat> and so in all of that, though, <laughs> like to liberate oneself from suffering, man, there's an entire journey. Like there's this, yeah. there's this, this big depth to that. But just to talk for some of the men that, you know, might just be having let's say, you know, not trying to get themselves to enlightenment or something like that just yet. Mm. I mean, just like really slow down and yeah, just keep trying to step into loving yourself. And it can be really hard. That's why you get to try and step into it and then just notice who you're hanging out with and just notice your behaviors and, and just keep, looking up you know look at the books look at all those do the cold showers do all those things if you're at that stage but then as you keep going you know and i did all that i did the one year of cold showers i did the the meditate i did a thousand days of meditation around and then it'll get to a point where there's wow. do all those things there's still this mr unworthiness mr unfulfilled mm-hmm. mr. thing and so if you're closer to that it's like cool then maybe you start to look into the technology into doing the work and like, there's all this different stuff mm. But yeah, man, mates, mates, like Buddha had this guy that say, hey, hey, Buddha, is spiritual friendship like 50% of the journey? And Buddha's like, bro, it's 100% mm. because mm. we're all one at the end of the day. It's got to be brotherhood. It's got to be sisterhood. It's got to be community. And so yeah. that's the thing that I keep layering in. Mm. I, I feel like uh, something interwoven through all that. And if I can take everything you just said and kind of distill it down, uh, what I found was fascinating. You said suffering is like, it's almost like um, pain is the, the price of admittance to, to being a human being, like being in this human experience. Right. But I, I purposely go into the gym to inflict pain or, you know, or, or just demand uh, onto my muscles, which allows me to get stronger. Right. But if I also know, having worked with a lot of people, people who are resistant to that pain, they don't get any stronger. They get more and more unhealthy, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's their, their attachment and their resistance to acknowledging that pain is just part of life, you know, that keeps them in maybe a, a perpetual cycle of living a Groundhog's Day of just like, oh, I can't get out of this. <laughs> but to your point, it's, 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 you said liberation, you said, uh, like surrendering. Uh, you said a couple other words that kind of revolve around the same word of like letting go of control. Yes. Right. It's, it's, the, it's, it's our desire to hang on to control, which is actually creating suffering. Yep. Right. 
And, and rather than like, like you said, more burn the boats or more like you got to grind, you got to hustle. If you want to be, you know, it's like that is, that to me just comes off so exhausting. It's like, man, there's, there's a, so much a better, like when I meet someone that, that I vibe with a beautiful woman, like there's no, there's no friction. It just, it just flows. Right. When I'm loving someone truly and, and experiencing you too, like it just flows. There's no resistance to that. Right. So I, that, I, to, to what you say, like, there's so much that resonates because like, I feel like, again, spiritually, when you're in alignment with abundance, there, there shouldn't be any resistance to it or any roadblocks or any, like, it, it should just come just like sunlight. There's no like certain rays of light that are broken or having to go around or think like, it's just, it's just shining that's just what it does, you know, like, so I just feel like that's, that's to what you said, it's like to, to liberate oneself from suffering and certainly to, to love oneself and to also look at areas where they can let go of where they're attempting to control areas of their lives that they really don't have control over, you know, which is kind of a, a, a sneaky way of how we lie to ourselves, I guess, maybe. Do you yeah. see that as something the guys struggle with, you know, in your part of the world in terms of like, wanting to control. And then it's kind of sound like that's where you were too, before you've evolved. It's like, I, I'm trying to control. I want to get this. I want to get this. And then when I get those things, then I'll be enough yes. versus just loving yourself for who you are right now. Right. Yeah. And no matter what, that's what this unconditional love piece. And you know, that's where, again, like we're not religious or anything like that, whether Jesus or Buddha existed or not, doesn't really matter. There's just these stories of them. It's like, but Jesus was that, you know, if we were to look at, the movie of humanity he's kind of the superstar of it because like for you and i even now we still talk about him and times based around him but he was the guy that really was the walking embodiment of unconditional love because he spent times with the sinners and saints the same and all of that and he loved everyone unconditionally no matter how they treated him but see that's fucking hard and i invite yeah. everyone you know if you think you've done the spiritual work and stuff it's like cool well then how do you treat people that hate you can you yeah. love your enemy as much as you love your friends, you know, cause that's yeah. what Jesus did. And how I see is like, he was like the, the rock star and then Buddha's like the scientist because he went mm. in and just meditated for ages. And he went and solved suffering for all dimensions, all universes, all timelines. Mm. And then there's kind of Lao Tzu mm. in, in China at, at 2000 years ago, he made this, the wisest book that's ever written, you know, it's only 81 poems and he's got this whole other, but it's they're all similar and it's so interesting because they never met each other you know mm. but now we've got the internet and we're able to i'm able to go through and look at all the wisdom of these past men and now we can it's we can do ufc we can mix them all together and focus mm -hmm. on what works because now you know the world looks different to the way they did back then so you know sfc is about modernizing that and making it accessible to everyone because you know, the Tao Te Ching is written in this ancient Chinese. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So there's this beautiful dance through all of that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's this control that comes mm -hmm. down to, especially from men, because we've kind of been bred that we need to, we have these certain roles and take care and safety. And, you know, when farming started and there was war and then we had, when farm started, we had extra food. So then we could have more babies and we could start to grow. But then it's like, cool. Well, then whoever's got the biggest stockpile, Maybe Genghis Khan wants to go take it. So then we want right. to start building castles. And so it's it's like all of that because they didn't see themselves as one in the same right. team. But right. then if you look at 
the Indigenous Australians here, it's funny that they don't really get talked about that much, but they were kind of undefeated for 65,000 years because they were living in harmony with the land where there's no other, like mm. the Roman Empire only lasted like a couple, like a thousand years, Yeah, you know, yeah, but there's yeah. not that many. But then we don't look at that because in Western culture, what success is in inverted commas is progress in the material world. Whereas the Indigenous Australians here, they could have, they, they were living here and they could have kept living here for fucking ever. Because they were in harmony with Australia, mm. with the land, with nature. And so there's all of that where they're not trying to control. They're just grateful for whatever is there for them. Mm. Do you feel like that's a big part of, of kind of the spiritual awakening that, I, that, that might be happening right now in the world? I mean, I just feel like there's a lot of, there's just, you know, there's, across the spectrum so much craziness going on and yet there's still also so much love and so much beautiful things going on but then so much fear and you know animosity towards various groups and power struggles do you feel like it's all happening because this is just human experience or do you feel like this is actually like culminating and moving towards a more of a greater spiritual awakening as a collective mm. Nice. That's a really good question. See, with that type of question, it's so interesting to where do we zoom out to? Because yeah. I can look at it from me here talking to you, then there's my family, then there's my community, then there's my state, then there's my government, my country. And then we can keep zooming out to looking at the whole planet and then we can look at the whole timeline. And for me, it's... it's the collective consciousness and we get to choose and it starts with the individual. And so it's going to go the way that it goes based off you and me deciding and taking personal responsibility. And while well, I'm hopeful and I'm going on massive offense, you know, I've really healed myself and I, you know, I see myself as an unwounded masculine man and, you know, I've got 300 people, men in our brotherhood here at SFC and it's growing and we're doing all this. And it's like, cool. I'm creating leaders who come from love, you know? And so my hope is that we can heal masculinity and we can, you know, eventually get to world peace and maybe not in my lifetime. And but what I really love about our indigenous Australians here, they would make decisions based on the fucking next seven generations. Whereas that wasn't part of my upbringing. It was more, especially in Western nations, it's more individualistic. But like in the Philippines, because they're poorer, everyone lives in the same house. So it's not so much about individual freedoms. It's more about the community, you know? And mm. there's, so there's these concepts here that I think it's really important for us to kind of talk about and weave because not everybody's been educated the same way growing up. And everyone, you know, some mm. people have had a dad and not a dad and all of this and family and broken families adopted. Like I've been working with all different substance abuse. Like there's all these different things and i just think it's important that we have these conversations and we speak about them in an open way so that these men are invited and i'm specifically yeah. talking about men because i feel like well sfc only handles men but our other organization the divine feminine that's got our sisterhood as well and above that we have the peace timeline you know and then next year we're going to start working with the three the people that don't feel like they fit in the masculine or the feminine and it's just like just bringing it all together, you know, coming from this unconditionally loving place and trust and light and acceptance, you know, and just keep 
moving the conversation forward. Mm. That's it's extremely powerful to hear kind of what you've been working on and building. Uh, and I think going coming back around full circle towards the just the conversation of kind of ending generational trauma. I've heard you say, um, you know, that you feel like you've you've done your work and you feel like you're a healed, you know, masculine man, right? I come from that standpoint, and maybe this is just a story I've created um, because I doubt myself or it seems overwhelming, like all the work that still needs to be done for me personally. But it's one of those things I've, I've found myself saying, like, uh, the healing never, the healing process never ends, mm. you know? And I don't know if that's true or not. To hear you say, like, yeah, I'm healed. I'm like, oh, gosh, that's pretty cool. Like, could I ever find myself saying, like, yeah, I've done my work and I'm healed? right? Or is there just new stuff that comes up in our lives that need healing? You know, maybe you heal certain things from your past, but then you're, is that more of it? Because I, I don't know where I find myself. And I wonder if, if it's just a limiting belief that I am, you know, broken, not broken so much because I don't really like that, but, or like I'm, I'm wounded and, and that wounding will never fully heal. Mm. What are your thoughts? I'm so glad you brought this up because this is something, especially with other spiritual teachers yeah. around this place where this is a, like a topic of debate. And that's what I find <laughs> so interesting because yeah, I'm of a view that not everybody accepts because they want to believe that it's all ongoing. And Johnny, I would love to just offer you something because I feel like it would really help is it's just a part of you that doubts. And a part mm -hmm. of you that might think that you're broken. It's not all of you. And it, it just helps it. Because, man, I can just really, I can feel you, man. And the inner you is like healed, right? Mm -hmm. I can feel that strength. Mm -hmm. So just parts of you that might believe that you're not. And that's why it's really useful in all of that. And so, you know, take that or don't take that. That's up to you. But yeah. for me, man, it's a really good question that you've raised, man. I love that. And in our culture, we talk about kind of having a basement you know, as in inverted commas or a dungeon, if we were to, because, you know, we really talk about being the king for ourselves in our inner kingdom. And it's like, what kind of king am I? A dictator, a tyrant, a warrior king, or am I a king of peace? Am I a servant king? And that's what we Amen. choose to be. I'm not modeling the kings of the past because most of them are murderers and doing all this stuff. And fair Tyrants. enough, I'm not blaming them, right? The generational trauma, you know? And so as that... What I found on my journey, especially over the last two years, doing the work with my misters and my internal kingdom and just loving all the parts of me that come up, even when I, parts of me don't feel like it, it's come to this point where like I've, if we look backwards, right, there's a finite amount of things to heal. Let's say, I'm just putting this inverted up. There's a finite thing. It says you can't go back in the past and find more and more things. Eventually you could heal all of your past. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So let's just. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm just, well, I'm just thinking like, is that true? I mean, at least in this human experience, you could say that because, uh, you know, there's a, there's a birth, there's a beginning and there's an ending. And yet I also know people who, I don't know exactly how I feel about this, but there's people who feel like that time is eternal and they're, uh, you know, I forget what's what, I'm totally having a brain fart, the, the word of like, where you have a life, uh, a new life after life after life. Thank you very much. Reincarnation. So they feel like there's generational trauma that comes from their previous lifetimes that they've lived 
And so then I think like, oh gosh, well then the work would never end. So that's why I don't know. I don't know where I really sit on all of it. That's why I told you before we started recording, like I'm just starting this kind of depth of, of diving into this stuff. And so that's why I kind of asked the question because I don't know really where I stand. So I, I, I think that's how I feel is like there's a finite amount. And I like the idea of thinking that like, even from my upbringing as a, as a, as a Christian, like Jesus said, you're healed. Yeah. You know, there was, there was, uh, there's confidence. There's like, uh, what do you call that? Like definitiveness to that. Like you're good, get up and go. You know, it wasn't like, okay, you're, you're healing and uh, it's going to be a process and come back to me in a month and see how you're doing. You know, I, I like the idea of, of actually just claiming perfection in the image and likeness of God. You know, I don't know. So I digress, but I, I'll pass it back to you because I, I don't know exactly where I fit with that, but I like the idea of where you're going no, with I it. I love all that. That all kind of, you know, and that's something Jesus had his point of view and stuff like that. And yeah, that's yeah. right. And the reincarnation from the Buddhists is like, I love all of this. And then they all interplay. And I've felt through yeah. all of these things and definitely the reincarnation yeah. piece as well. But let's keep it simple. And I'm happy to just talk about this at length because this is a really yeah. beautiful thing and it really changed my life. And so... If we just keep it simple to start with, let's say if I look back in my teenage years or as a young man, I did some things that I wouldn't do again. You know, parts of me regretted those things because then I did them from a wounded place, right? As what I found is wounded people wound people. So let's say I did this thing where, well, I never punched anyone. This guy punched me in the face once, right? Let's say you know, and maybe I deserved it or I didn't deserve it or whatever, but I can go into that memory, let's say, and I can heal it. And I'm sure there's parts for you where there's some trauma and we could eventually go in and heal it. And it might take one day or 20 years or the rest of your life. I'm not putting a timeline on that, right? Everybody's healing journey is personal to them. However, for me, what I found is, well, I've fucking dedicated the last two years to this i went to the spiritual gym non-stop and i went back through and i healed all the things but it gets to this point man where i'm telling you man that the final i can give you the final answer right to life right it's just love and then i've tried and i've split tested and like buddha will agree that Lao Tzu will agree jesus will agree right it's just love and so then no matter this is what happens a part of you comes up hey we're fucked we, we deserve, we're an idiot or this, or trauma, this trauma, that something happens to a child. It's like, cool. The, the answer is just the love that part of you. There's no other answer. And you can, you can do all those things and you can go do somatic healing or massage. But at the end of the day, you've got to just love and accept it. Cause that's mm-hmm. what, that's it. You know, and we've had these undefeated masters for thousands of years, tell us the same thing. So then eventually you just go in and you love all those things. And let's say for me in this lifetime, I've gone and loved all the different parts of me. Right. So now they're healed. And when they come up, if they get triggered or anything, man, well, now they don't, but I would just love them because what else would I do? I'm not going to hate them. I'm not going to yell at them. If I try to make them different or go away, well, then there's their resistance piece again. And that's Mm -hmm. where the suffering breeds from. It's just to Mm -hmm. accept them. You know, why would I resist if a part of me does? It's like, no, man, it's kind of like, and there's this other concept of reparenting, you know, but we don't need to get into that. So then let's say for my lifetime, I've loved all the stuff there. So I've now learned, I've got this skill now of loving anything unconditionally. So then there's this point where my basement, where all these demons or 
people that I push and suppress in there where I stop doing that. I let everyone out into the kingdom and to walk amongst the fields and everyone can have a house because I'm the king that loves everyone. So now I'm really good at that. And so let's say now I'm 34, let's say, and I've healed everything in the past. And then you're like, Donuts, well, what about it when this happens? Or what happens if your mum dies or your, your house gets robbed and all this stuff? It's like, yeah, cool. I'll love all of that. Because why would it be any different? And like what you're saying, there's only one moment. There's only now. I can't live in the future. I can't live in the past. Parts of me think they can. You know, Mr. Anxiety, he's right. off living in the future. And maybe right. Mr. Regret's off stuck in the past. But I've loved them. And I love them. And so now that the, the, the trauma in my basement's been healed, well, anything that's coming up in the future I now have such strong boundaries and such love that I don't put that stuff in the basement anymore. I never ever choose to avoid or suppress because I know what fucking happens if I do that. Amen. It gets, it's shit. It'll eventually, and that's what we talk about in our spiritual debt. And every time you don't listen to your gut, well, you're going to have to clean that up later because you just made a bit of a mess. And that's what, and that's what Buddha is talking about. You know, like everybody's born enlightened. Enlightened isn't this thing that you attain. It's something you remember. Like liberating mm. yourself from suffering. And we were all born with a clean window, right? So the sun could come all the way in and this, the light from within me as a child and all children could go out. But then over time from the generational trauma, society, parents, whatever, starts putting dirt on the window. But see, we weren't given the tools to clean the window. And so you get to a point though, if you follow Buddha all the way in Lao Tzu, and if you fully embody Jesus and took him seriously, he said he died on the cross for all of us, for all of our sins. So fucking just listen to him because he lived the <laughs> fucking, like that was fucked up what he went through. So why don't we just do him the service of listening to him and just living that life? See, in any way you can take it, it's the same message. And mm -hmm. so that's what I mean about cool. Like I don't put shit in my basement anymore. I don't suppress, I don't avoid. And so then I just accept what is, whatever's there. And I've got my brothers and my sisters yeah. and, my, and I don't have any brothers or sisters in the blood, but spiritually, the spiritual family yep. that I've cultivated and created. And we go through life together, you know? And so, yeah, it doesn't mean that I never get sad or I never get angry because they're all just part of the human experience. It's my resistance to those things that would cause me problems or suffering or things to then avoid them because I don't want to be perceived in a certain way and then I put it in my basement and that's then I have to clean it up later in the future so there's this idea then where all my everyone's suffering can become finite but people get triggered and parts of them come up and that's okay and then what Buddha did man and if you read the Diamond Sutra he's like nobody needs to be liberated from suffering that's an illusion as well that's empty everything's empty at the end of the day because mm -hmm. the set of all reincarnated lives well, you can love all of them. And if you happen to wake up in that life, you'll remember to just love yourself. And then the set of all future lives, it's the same thing. It's just going to be love and acceptance. And so mm. that's kind of it. And when an individual can fully embody that, then all the illusions just go away and they serve you instead of being the victim to these illusions. You know, mm. the illusion of self, of body, of soul, of lifespan, <clears throat> like all of this stuff. Mm. So that's... I know there's like, there's like a big, there's a lot of stuff going on and I'm happy to double click wherever you'd like. <laughs> I, I love that though. But I, the, the kind of the aha I had when you were talking, is like, I, I think in my mind, uh, it's like, you know, we're, have you ever played that game where it's called in, in the U S it's called the whack-a-mole 
where these little yes. moles, you know, and you're, and you're hitting it. And like, so it's like traumas are popping up and we're taking kind of like, we're, we're treating the, the problem with, now we're not hitting the mole, but we're kind of like, oh, I have to love that part of me. And like, oh, I have to love that traumatic experience. And I have to love that person. And, and it can feel overwhelming or exhausting because you have to keep like treating wounds with love to heal. But I think we're going the wrong direction, right? It's almost like if we're really coming from a place of, of, uh, of abundance and pure love, and like you said, just like the light coming through the window, we, we come to the realization that all the mud that's on the window is actually, like you said, a, uh, an illusion, it's a lie, and it can immediately disappear when you realize the, the power of, of love right? Yeah. Versus really working hard to, to get all the mud off the window and you're working so hard when you realize there's actually no mud to, to even work on. It's just a lie, right? So yeah. I, I don't know, that, that kind of clicked for me, which is, is pretty powerful. Oh. And, and the fact that there's so much synergy between different characters, if you will, from the past, yes. from all over parts of all different parts of the of of the globe who didn't even know each other right <laughs> and yet there's universal principle and laws to love right in the same sense that like you could walk into a cave that has for millions and millions of years never seen any light right and that darkness is steeped in there everything every creature every you know stalactite or whatever has never seen <laughs> any light right and all you need is a single match and it would illuminate the entire area, right? Like the darkness, even though it's been there forever, doesn't have any power over the light. Hmm. And darkness really is just the absence of light. It doesn't really have any substance to it. Light is the thing that really is. And, and I feel like it's the same thing with love, right? Like the only time that we're feeling suffering, I imagine, I'm just going off on a tangent now, is like suffering and even pain a lot of times is maybe just us feeling a sense of detachment from love or a detachment from source, which mm -hmm. isn't true. We just are experiencing that or we believe it to maybe be true in the moment, but it's not true. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it from what I'm hearing you saying, it's like coming back to just self-love, loving other people, realizing we're all one, we're not separate. Right. And a lot of that then really embodying that. And it's easy for us to intellectually talk about, on this podcast, it's another thing to actually start to practice, right? Through meditation, prayer, healing, trauma, or like just doing the work. It's going to take, you know, potentially it could take time. But at the end of the day, the, the result certainly is healing. And thus, then you're not paying it forward to the next yeah. generation. We're not paying it forward to our kids or there's just future generations, right? Exactly. See, when I have my children eventually, like I'm not gonna put stuff on their window like yeah. that's what i mean it's different and they'll just grow up and just trust they'll be living bottom mm -hmm. up because if you witness kids right now man it's powerful they are enlightened do you know what i mean they're mm -hmm. going around they're just being themselves because that's all it is mm -hmm. just being themselves and they do this and they learn <laughs> all the time you know what i mean they yeah. interact they fight with some kids or whatever but it's not significant because they're always just in the moment you know yeah. but then you know it's they're also not safe in the physical world and that's why we go on this journey to come back to that, but also I'm an adult now and I can keep myself safe. And something like a beautiful line from the Tao Te Ching 
is the master arrives without ever leaving. Mm. Mm. I love that. Yeah, and we can feel that, but our minds, it's a paradox and doesn't make any sense, but there's this feeling, man. And that's why for all of this, man, we're just coming home. Like I, I didn't, I went on this big journey, man, right? Going through all the stuff that we talked about. And then I just came back to myself. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck. And that's why the master realizes that. <laughs> I'm already, I'm already enlightened. I'm already liberated. So are you, man. Parts yeah. of you forget. And people say everyone's sleepwalking, but it's more that people are awake pretending to be asleep. And it's a part of them that's pretending to be asleep. Because, you know, I could do the work with you or the tech, like in our culture. And then eventually we get to this point where you're in your gut and that's it. That's that unconditional love, this energy. And then, and then instead of, you can either bring that energy to the parts of you or the parts of you can be attracted to that. And then they just get melted in love, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of what we do f- for us because we get to this embodiment where it's just this, we don't mm-hmm. need to do cold shadows or, or bang our chest or anything like that. We just have conversations with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it's that, and I can do that all the time. And it's a way of life. Not a tech, mm. not, not a tool. It's we see it also as a technology. It underpins everything. It's consciousness. It's not ours. It's like the internet. Like nobody owns the internet. It's a, it's a fabric, you know. But we're the ones that went so deep into it, and we teach that, and that's where we're championing it. And we want that to just be like a commodity, like water. Like everybody's just in relationship with themselves because that's what I mean. Kids have imaginary friends, and they're talking, and it's not. But then someone's got to tell them that that's stupid or that's dumb or you're insane. But who the fuck are they to know that? Like Buddha's yeah. not down for that. It's like, where do they get their authority from? And for us, man, it comes back to these undefeated teachers. And mathematics mm-hmm. is one of them. For us, it's Jesus, Buddha, Lao Tzu, and mathematics. Because mathematics mm-hmm. is the language of science. But even that yep. guy, Pythagoras, he even realized for his son, he, he's like, yeah, man, it's reincarnation. So he mm-hmm. believes in that. You know what I mean? It's like, cool. And then there's this guy, Kurt Gödel, this Austrian mathematician. He broke fucking science because he proved mathematically that he had this thing, this phrase written on a piece of paper. This statement is true, but cannot be proven. And it just showed science and maths that they will never be able to explain it all. Mm. But we can never have full certainty. Because there's certain things like even with an electron in quantum mechanics, you can never know exactly where it is because as soon as you measure it with light, you move it. And so it's mm-hmm. always a probability cloud. It'll appear somewhere around here, but we can never have that precision that a lot yeah. of men, myself <clears throat> in the past, thought they needed. But there's this incompleteness that the feminine are very comfortable with, but the masculine are not comfortable with paradox, not comfortable mm-hmm. with lack of control because they're so driven by security because of all the wars we've been fucking fighting and men are actually just mostly scared of other men like that's you know what i mean so that we're in this so bubble of just fighting ourselves where the women are off in love and loving and doing all that but that's why i'm so excited for us to kind of just love ourselves and we all just go together you know mm-hmm. yeah 100 well how are you doing this in uh in australia with these men locally in this brotherhood of yours spiritual fight club like how are you actually doing the work is it through retreats is it through like um mentorship that is ongoing like how are you actually when it comes down to brass tacks how do you get these guys to they raise their hands saying hey i need your help i want to jump i want to be a member of the spiritual fight club like what starts their journey 
Yeah, awesome, man. So they can come to our Men of Peace workshop. You know, it's $7 to attend. And then that goes all the for the day. And then if people like what happens in there, they can join the Brotherhood. And that's where the first event that they would do is called the King's Experience, where it's three days online and then a five-week embodiment program. And that's where we do the work and use the technology. And everyone's like, say, this is a part of me. This is a part of me. Okay, Mr. Anxiety, Mr. Regret, Mr. Alcohol, Mr. This. And then we show them how to be the king for that part of them. And it's like we personify that part of us. And how would we treat it as a king? You know, and listen to the story. And then it, you know, usually stems down to a, a little boy or a teenager or something like that. And then that's the first part. And if people want to continue, because for us, it's, it, it is, this is our cause to liberate oneself from suffering, like this whole thing. And any brother that joins, it's a lifetime membership to the brotherhood, because that's yeah. what's just the most important. And then we have our blue belt program, which has a, a five week lead up and then a seven day in-person experience. And then a five week embodiment program again. And then, you know, that's how they get their blue belt. Let's say, you know, we just have some belt systems just like in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu just to help. And then they can join, if they want to become a facilitator, our SEALs program, you know, mm-hmm. just like baby SEALs, let's say, or the animal ones, but, you know, it's tongue in cheek of like your Navy SEALs. Like Navy SEALs, yeah. And then that's where it gets, now we're starting to go into the deeper spiritual truths where, yeah, man, you've got to let go of all your earthly attachments. And that ain't easy to, and you can't do it on your own. And so that's why we have this tight pocket of brothers and I'm leading the seals at the moment. It's like, yeah, man, because I had to go through the journey of letting go of all my fucking earthly attachments, letting go of the love mm-hmm. of my mom, needing that, you know, mm-hmm. and I, the amount of tears that I've shared and all the shaking and like to do it, to go that deep into <clears throat> the basement, it requires other men who are mm-hmm. also doing the work. And so mm-hmm. then we go through that and then, yeah, eventually you'll get your black belt and then within 30 days you can liberate yourself from suffering and then you're off. And so currently there's six of us that have liberated ourselves from suffering. And, you know, we've got about 11 people in the SEALs team and then we've got the rest of the brotherhood and that's kind of the program that we're... That's cool. The whole thing, but it's it's brotherhood. At the bottom of it, it's love yourself unconditionally. And once you've healed yourself, well, then what do you want? Now what? Well, you want to just hang out with other people, you know, and then serve who are also in the same kind of wavelength and then that's there's this brotherhood i just want us to build this community because if we're all in the same team we wouldn't rob like i'm not going to go and break and enter into my mum's house it's only when we're in these mega cities where we don't actually know these people so that's why you would treat them in that way and so brotherhood 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 is what it's really about amen amen makes me uh once once uh everything kind of goes back to normal and borders open up i'm gonna to move to australia and i'm gonna jump into your spiritual fight club that, that sounds like that sounds so good man oh thank that you awesome. and we've got yeah, we've got members so cool. in america already and so you? You know, and they can fly over there's a bunch of guys there and you know eventually we will get over to america we're going to expand yeah. the women's business there first in 2023 and then we'll eventually cool. have the american arm and yeah man, i i feel like we're going to stay in touch and so whatever For happens sure. i'll just be happy to be hanging out with you, man. <laughs> yeah, that's really, really cool. Well, it's uh, something special, obviously, that you've created and, and what you're working on. And, and again, just to honor you, the I can just tell the, the way that you come off the work that you've done. I can only imagine, like you said, the amount of tears and screaming and all the work that you've done to be 
the embodiment of of mature modern healed masculine that you are to hold space for that type of you know the for the spiritual fight club that you're building is you know that's that's a lot of responsibility and you you can only do it from a place of healing healed right versus being like you know the next big guy i feel like that's that's just putting all the all of that responsibility on your shoulders and it's almost too much to bear you know the only the only way that you're able to do it i feel like is because you emanate at least my experience of you is, is just you emanate love you know yeah. so it's, it's really cool to see that you really walk the talk brother it's really really cool so thank you for sharing this with all of us it's really cool thanks for your words man i really appreciate it yeah 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 100 percent. and I, I feel like we could certainly keep chatting but just for the sake of time because i gotta actually run but uh yeah. i just want to thank you thank you for uh talking to us from the future thank you for uh joining us from uh from tomorrow like i said just sharing all your wisdom man. because i i just i it's just so intriguing to that's louts uh what's his name Laut, Lao Tzu. Tzu. thank yeah. you yep uh, and Buddha and like, I'm just, I'm fascinated, um, to, to really dive into more of that stuff. And I think you're right. It's like, it's, it's such a great time, especially with the internet, we have access to all these things. We just need to, to crack it open. You know, there's so much ancient wisdom there. But a lot of times as men, we think we're silos and we have to figure it out all on our, on our own. Mm. That, uh, that's going to take, you know, it's going to take forever in that sense, you know, but the answers are already there. Mathematics is already there. It's, it's the, the language of of love in many ways you know so really really cool but thank you i think that's really really incredible what uh besides your um physical brotherhood that you're working on you know what else like what else are you what do you have going on that uh that you're excited about you said i guess the uh what do you call it i'm totally brain brain farting i feel like it's been a long day um <laughs> lockdown thank you the lockdown yeah. You guys are, because I've seen a lot of stuff on TikTok and online. It seems like stuff over in Australia has been pretty crazy, but are, is the veil lifting? Are things kind of opening back up? What's life like over there? Yeah, two, two weeks ago in Sydney, our lockdown kind of ended for the people that are double vaxxed. And so we're just going yeah. in that transition of everything's unlocking now because there's the vaccines, 80% of us are vaccine vaccinated now. And so yeah. things are opening up. And so... Gotcha. Kind of that's really exciting and i'm excited to be you know going back into in-person events and especially next year you know going back on yeah. the circuit and doing all the different yeah. things and opening up my own little jujitsu school and, and stuff like oh, that cool. But, cool. You know, with all these practices embodied you know <clears throat> where it isn't yeah. about ego and being a teenager and stuff like that you know we're all just here mm -hmm. to have fun and <clears throat> master the craft for ourselves and have a good time and come together yeah, that's why I kind of was wondering, I couldn't remember the word lockdown, but uh, just wondering how business was in terms of helping men when you can't do, you know, in-person stuff. I certainly handled, you know, uh, had that in my face for over a year, right, here in the mm -hmm. in the U.S., but I just figured it was a challenge for me. I wondered if it was a challenge for you guys over there, just trying to support the guys when everyone feels like they are isolated and not able to get together as a brotherhood, you know? Yep. Well, we definitely use Zoom a lot, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and all the time on Zoom. And yeah, we we were good. You know, we transitioned to some virtual stuff and virtual events yeah. and things yeah. like that. And yeah, it all has worked out. And yeah, I'm really excited to move forward. That's cool. 
Really, really cool. Well, for those uh, that are listening, no matter where they are listening in the world, and they wanted to just learn more about the Spiritual Fight Club, I imagine you've got a website or YouTube channel. What, where can people find you? Learn more about what yeah. you got going on. So we've got, you know, our Instagram, Spiritual Fight Club, you know, at Spiritual Fight Club. But YouTube is kind of where the most of the content is going to be. So if you Google okay. Spiritual Fight Club, get to the YouTube like, you know, there's a bunch of content there from me and some of the other co-founders and where we go deeper into a lot of this stuff, into the spiritual side of things. And yeah, eventually, because for me, man, I just, after I went through kind of my first King's experience, because I was a student and I just became, I was just the best student. So then that's why I became like a co-founder and the CEO. And I just remember after about three months afterwards, I was like, because I my whole life thought I was just my mind. But once I spoke to my gut and my gut gave me advice, but from this energy of, it was a different energy that I hadn't felt before consciously. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm not alone. Like, like mm -hmm. no, we can do this. It's going to take time. Because he's saying, hey man, just be patient. My gut was like, patience. <clears throat> yeah. but then about three or four months later, after just really heavily going into using the technology, I was like, no man, my dream is to just spread this to other men. Because I just didn't know. It was an awareness thing. It wasn't that I was like, fuck this and all that. It's like, no, man, no one just fucking explained it to me like this. Because all that other stuff, like in, like, let's say Tony Robbins, it didn't, that was more high performance for me to be an entrepreneur and material. Like, it wasn't a brotherhood. Yes. It wasn't that. Whereas this is just so different. And that's why mm -hmm. to me, they're not, we're not in the same lane. And this is really different. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. oh, that's why. I just want like, even if you aren't in Australia, it's like, come on the YouTube, you know, just to have mm -hmm. this awareness of it. And then you can, <clears throat> with our technology, like you can just do the work at home, you know, when you're starting, you can learn about it. We, it's open source, you know, like I said, it's, it's like the cool. internet. We don't own it. We don't own love yeah. or anything like that. And so just go right. on our YouTube and go through a comment. Like I'm making videos and you leave a great comment or a question, man, I'll make a fucking video about it. Like I'm here to help. Mm. Like, what else am I doing with my life? Like, I'm in heaven now. Like, <laughs> right. imagine if you got to heaven, what would you do when you got to heaven? Yeah, man, you'd hang yeah. out with your mates, you'd have a good time, you'd serve. And I just walk around with an open hand offering, hey, man, if you're in suffering, I'm not. Would you like to come here? Some people are like, no, yeah. fuck you. I'm blah, blah. And it's like, some people are like, yeah. And I'm like, cool, man. Well, the, you know, this is it. And here's the YouTube and all that. And, and then we're all just going together, man. Because eventually I'll be there and I'll hang out with you. And we're just, yeah, man, it's just nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, YouTube for one, spiritualfightclub.com as well. Yeah, spiritualfightclub.com. Just whack it into Google. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you uh, so much, Dinus. I really appreciate just hanging out with you. And, and I agree. I, I hope that uh, someday, even physically, our, our paths cross, whether I'm over there or you're over here or somewhere in between. But uh, I just love what you're doing. I love who you are. Um, and I hope this is the first of many times that you'll be on the podcast or doing videos with me and that sort of thing. Just uh, credit to all that you're doing and all the growth that you've done. So appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, man. This has been an absolute pleasure. I could, that's why I mean, when I said, I love you earlier on, man, cause I could just, I was like, Oh no, this guy, no, this guy's here to serve me, his audience himself. Like it's, it was really open, man. And so I really appreciate that dude. Like, thanks for being another masculine man. Who's also, I feel like, man, I, we've, uh, this is what's funny. Like, I feel like we've, we've gone to battle before in a previous life because yeah. there is that energy, man. It's like, there are men who jumped on grenades for their, for their brothers. 
And it's like, and mm-hmm. I can feel that energy in other men. You know what I mean? And some of us, you know, don't want to come together like the alpha in inverted commas, alpha males. And like, no, man. And, and that's why I'm so proud of us <clears> is because there is a bunch of in inverted commas, alpha males working together now because we're not making it about us. We're not making yeah. it about what our teenager wants or being a prince. We're here to be a king now. And so I just see you as that too, man. Like, yeah, man, you're here to, to serve and nothing else. And you've got parts of you just like I did that my dad and all that, man, man, I see you. And so thank you yeah. so much for having me on here and mm. helping me, you know, just be myself because I've had the best yeah. time, man. And I wouldn't have done it without you. And I couldn't have hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Well, uh, likewise, I think I can ditto exactly what you said for, for you. And I'm just looking forward to more, more interactions. So, um, Thank you again, brother, so much. Thank you for spending time. And fellas, as you're, as you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube, uh, I definitely highly recommend go check out Spiritual Fight Club. Jump into, like Dinah says, like there's so many opportunities and, and resources now given the technologies we have. You don't have to be boots, you know, in Australia. You can, you can do the work from the comfort of your home and evolve because, you know, time is, uh, time is a limited thing and uh, love is not. So love is, you know is uh, out there for you, ready for you. And uh, the healing is there for you as well. So Dinas, thank you again, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you, man. All right, you guys enjoy this uh, podcast. Hopefully we will uh, catch up with you on the next episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. And we'll catch up with you soon. Cheers. Awesome. See ya. That's it for this one. And I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.